Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we're going to continue on with the Sermon on the Mount. And we looked at the Beatitudes. We looked at the salt and the light part. And now we're coming to where Jesus starts talking about being the fulfillment of the law. And so I'll just read it and then we could get into like the verses itself and and all that fun stuff that we like to do. So we're in Matthew chapter 5 right there now. Yeah, that's probably Getting smart. Getting into verses 17 through 20, right? So yes. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, where we're jumping in right now is verse 17, and I'll let you read that. That was smart. Let people know where we're at and not just getting into things. All right, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear... Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of, the, of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, uh, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, boom, mic drop by Jesus. Right. And I think that this part get, just gets so confusing to Christians here in 2020 in America because the general view of, well, what is the law? And like, well, the law, that's legalism. That's bad. We're not under the law anymore. And, you know, all of this different stuff that kind of an unstudied approach to scripture can kind of fill up. Or I heard a guy say something one time. So I don't know if we will help alleviate some of that confusion. <laughs> But just right off the bat, coming that Jesus is a Jew, as we talked about, I think it was in the first episode of getting into the Sermon on the Mount, that he's coming also kind of as the the next Moses, right? Mm -hmm. So Moses, he stood up, the first covenant that happened there, and he was the lawgiver. And here Jesus is coming up and he's saying, look, I'm not abolishing that law. I'm fulfilling it. And we're going to see in the late in the chapters to come what that looks like and what Jesus's law, what he's giving, that he again is giving law. Yeah, I saw this kind of like these verses as uh, to sum them up before we even get into it as a like Jesus's disclaimer. Mm -hmm. So before he gets into like verses 21 through 48 of chapter five, he, he starts off here. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and all this stuff. And here he radically defines the law from a mere outward conformity to both inward and outward. So he, he, he starts here by saying this, saying that what I follow up with everything afterwards and what we'll touch on in the next few episodes is the law has to be more than an outward thing. What's, what's written in our hearts, and I guess we should probably define the law or the prophets as the word of God. So the Bible, what, what God's word is. Well, specifically there, Law and Prophets, that was the summation of the Old Testament. Yes. You have the Law, which was commonly the first five books of the Bible, and then the Prophets coming from that point. So, yeah. Summing that all up and saying that this isn't just about what's coming out of you, what you practice and what you do, but it has to be something that transforms you inwardly. And even to where the next part where he talks about murder, you know, there's just so much in that, that it's not just like doing one thing, it, it's this internal thing. So it's, it's changing all that. So it's really this big disclaimer is how I looked at it. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Like, disclaimer, I'm going to be teaching you some things. 
I'm not negating anything. The way that I see it is what Jesus brings, he brings it again to the fulfillment. It's like, hey, you've heard this law? Let me tell you what it's actually about. You know, it's not just about in the letter of the thing, like you said, don't murder, but it goes so much deeper than that. So he's saying, I'm fulfilling it. I'm not getting rid of it. So even with that, how did he fulfill the law? I mean, I've got some points here, but I was just going to throw a random question at you to see if he had answers. <laughs> you can just randomly throw questions at me. Put them in the show notes. Let me know what's coming. Because where my notes in my mind is at isn't always to answer your question. Um, let me hear what you have to say, and maybe right, so I can respond from there. The three things I saw where Jesus fulfilled the law was, one, his life. He fulfilled the law in his life and how he lived, the way he acted and everything like that, um, because he was without sin. So he fulfilled the law. Uh, he fulfilled the law in his teaching. His teaching never was contrary to the law. In fact, his accuracy and when he quoted scripture was like spot on. And then he fulfilled the law in his death on the cross. He was the fulfillment of that final payment, that sacrifice that needed to be there. So I have like those three things. And then um, there's some little side points I have to all of it. But and not only there, like you were focusing on the law, but he says, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets, mm -hmm. right? And he came to fulfill, because he definitely fulfilled the prophets as well. The story from Genesis, which is part of the law, all the way through Micah, if you're looking at kind of the, the Christian standpoint of uh, arranging the Old Testament, it was all pointing to Jesus. You know, it was a story in want of a finish. It was always God saying, I am going to do something. And when the Old Testament finishes, you're kind of like, what is he going to do? So Jesus is coming and saying, I'm not getting rid of any of that stuff. I am fulfilling it fully. Like you said, through his life, through his teaching, I think that through the prophets, even though they weren't really fully aware of what they were saying at the time, through his death and his resurrection, even, you know, fully fulfilling all of that. Yeah, the, the teaching part of it to me, I mean, his life alone is he comes and he lives a perfect, sinless life. Because of that, his life is fulfilling the law. He's keeping all those standards that we couldn't. You know, I think that was the struggle that of, for the Old Testament was there were so many sacrifices and sacrifices because we couldn't keep the law. And the moment we broke any one of the laws, we broke the law. Like it was you broke one part of the law, you broke the law. And where Jesus came into play in his life, it was this kind of fulfillment of I lived this life and broke none of the law. So therefore, now I've lived it and shown you that that life can be possible. And I'm going to keep going unless you want to add to that. I was just going to say, and in that, looking at fulfilling the law, what I really see is the heart of that is that what he restored and what he did that nobody since Adam in the very beginning had done is that he had the proper relationship with the Father. You know, mm -hmm. everything flowed from that relationship that it wasn't like, oh, quick, give me the checklist and make sure that I can check all those off. It yeah. was from him being so connected to the Father, the fact that they were one, nothing that he said or did wasn't coming from the Father, of course he would fulfill the law and the prophet. There was no other way that that could work out. So I'm going to look at Galatians 4.4 4 to kind of just sum that part up there as uh, I can find it. Uh, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that they might receive adoption to sonship. That kind of summed up what Jesus' whole mission was, that he was born under the law, but he lived and fulfilled it. And that, and I think with his teaching, really the purpose was to establish the word, uh, to embody it, to fully accomplish all that was written in it. And that's what he was showing us, that uh, 
I liked what Jesus, this whole thing is just that it's a radical different teaching than what was previously done. You know, he came in and kind of just changed things up. It has to be more. It can't just be this outward show. We can't just be making sacrifices, which is an outward expression. We have to show obedience. And even in, in uh, you know, I always think of King Saul when he was like, we, well, we got to do the sacrifice and, and Samuel's not here, but he has to do it. Oh, well, I'm going to do it. And then Samuel tells him, what's better, sacrifice or obedience? And this is kind of Jesus saying the same thing to us, that obedience is what's going to change your heart and your life. Kind of the same thing. It's not a checklist. It's a, I'm doing it because I love the Father and I'm going to be obedient to him. So it's all radical and it's all new, but it only works because he lived it. Like none of it, what he's saying matters if he, you know, he comes there. I came to abolish or not abolish the law, but fulfill the law. But if he turned around and then did something wrong, he totally negates it all. And what made it impactful and radical is that he came and lived it. And see, the way that I think that he had this disclaimer is because at different points, um, the Pharisees would come, right? And say they came and be like, hey, how come, your, how come your disciples don't fast? Like, what's up with that? Was it the Pharisees or was it John's disciples? Somebody came. Go research it for yourself. <laughs> but they came and were asking about fasting, right? And Jesus is saying... You know what? New wine into new wineskin. If you stick new wine into an old wineskin, the old wineskin will burst. So he was coming, kind of giving this disclaimer because he was doing a new thing. And he kind of needed to open up this new thing and allow it to breathe and to put it into a new container because a new thing was happening. And that's where he's saying that, you know, he wasn't getting rid of the law or the prophets. This old covenant that God had made with mankind. He came where he said at other points, you know what, my blood is being poured out as a new covenant. So it's a new covenant. It's a new thing. And in that transition period, I think that he had to make it abundantly clear. You guys are going to see different things going on, but know that I'm not negating the work of God. I'm bringing it to its proper conclusion. Like this is what it's all been about. And to really, I like the point you made earlier too, that he came uh, to show what the law and the prophets, everything that was written in the Old Testament what it was actually doing and if you look at it points to him and to say that i've came to fulfill this because everything points towards me look at where everything is going and then once we have we it's kind of this understanding that once we look at the old testament and realize it all points to christ then we look at christ's life at jesus's life and how he lived and say this is now the answer to that question of what the old testament had for us yeah. can you live righteous <laughs> boom can you live holy Boom. Can you do what God's asked you to do, even though it's so difficult? Here's Jesus. And of course, the Old Testament has people who do the same thing, but the separation is when Jesus came in and did it in the way to fulfill the law. Yeah, I mean, we can obviously get into little things in there like, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law. It's like, okay, an iota, a dot, that's literally the smallest little accentual markings on the thing. He's saying like, look, the whole thing was there. It was from God and, and it stays. You know, it wasn't like, oh, God made a mistake. <laughs> like, nope, not here to erase it. Mm -hmm. That part was good. We're, we're moving from that now. And I think the other thing that he wanted to do was he wanted to help us understand that we can love the law, we can learn from the law, and that we could live from what the law has from us. That we, we could come into it and that we have to learn to love it. We have to learn, as Christians, if I look at this, and I'm going to, I know Jesus was talking about the Old Testament, but I'm going to put old and new together at this point and say, if I don't love what's written in here, I'm not going to learn from it, and then I'm not going to live from it. And what Jesus wanted to help guide people, and everything he did, it was helping them understand to love 
God. I mean, he even sums it up, right? The greatest commandments are love God and love others. But if we don't love it first, if it's not ingrained in our heart and our soul, even kind of touching on your idea, not the smallest letter should disappear. Like we have to love the Bible so much that everything inside of it means so much that I can't take what I want for only what I want and forget the rest of it. I can't uh, take a part of the Bible and say, this applies to me, but because I don't like this over here, I'm not going to apply it to my life and I'm removing it from it. I'm, I'm taking a little bit off of it that I have to learn to love it so much that everything inside of it consumes me that I learn from it and then I live it. I think that's a good point because I've gotten into several discussions because of the non-understanding of the Old Testament that many people today have because it is an ancient, ancient document that comes from a completely different perspective and worldview and all of the cultures interacting and everything and just the perspectives on God and how to properly interpret that that there are a lot of people that will look at the Old Testament and just kind of like, yeah, well, I don't agree with that or I don't think this mm -hmm. or I don't think that. And I always come to this section because it's like, if you're saying that you're a Christian, you believe Jesus, he had every opportunity in the world to say, I am here, I'm the Messiah. I got to tell you, you got a couple footnotes wrong there. <laughs> you know, they kind of screwed up here or there. That wasn't actually God. That wasn't actually this. He never does that. And that's always something that I hold to, and that is just like, you know what? The Bible can be an immensely difficult book to read yeah. at times because of a lacking of understanding about the culture, the context, what words mean, what whatever is going on. But just because it's difficult to understand, or maybe you've been taught something that you're just like, that doesn't sit right. Like, it's okay for it to not sit right, but pursue it in trying to gain the understanding like we have hindsight, right? read it through Jesus. And you know what? For my own self, not every question has been answered. Right. But I've been able to take the thing as a whole and go, I've learned enough and I've seen enough of my own perspectives change that the parts that kind of don't sit quite right with me, I'm going to put that fault on my own understanding mm -hmm. and not on like, oh, that part got injected or that part shows that God is like whatever. It's like, no, I think I should be humble and think that the issue might be my own understanding. <laughs> I like the, the wording you use there that we could look at some parts of the Bible and it could unsettle us. Mm -hmm. Like it could leave us, leave us unsettled. And as you said that, I thought, is it okay to be unsettled? Like shouldn't, that's what it should do. And even if it's something where we don't fully agree with or understand, maybe just leave that there for a moment in your life and you can come back to fully understand that. But don't say, I don't have to follow everything in the Bible because I didn't like this. You know, mm -hmm. like, let it let it resonate for a little bit. I know for me, like, if it's a good... I like watching movies that are... I can't do, like, dramas anymore that are heartfelt or touching because I don't like emotions. It either has to be funny or, like, scary. Anything in between or action, like, you know, comic book movies. Those definitely are probably better for me than anything else. But if it's a good, scary movie, like, if the movie's good... It leaves me a little bit unsettled. You know, I don't, I don't know the answer. Why did that? Happen? I don't know. That's creepy. That's strange. And I'm left like with this unsettlement. But it doesn't mean I'm like, nah, but none of that's good, you know, or this is dumb because it left me unsettled. It didn't answer all my questions. Like it left an open ending so that way I can pursue something a little bit more. And I think that's what the Bible does in some areas of it. It leaves us unsettled so that way we can pursue a little bit more to find that answer and maybe it doesn't come right away it doesn't come the next day or within a month but maybe years later you're like oh I get that now and I understand that 
there have been many things like that for me in the Bible where I've read them and I'm like, I just don't get it. Why is this in here? And then somewhere down the road, I read it again and it's like, I got it now. So I've got a couple verses for that coming in. Proverbs 25, 2 says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings, mm. right? That's Not everything verse. is on the surface. Mm -hmm. Treasure gets buried. You know, even Jesus, hey, why do you talk in parables? He's like, look, for those that don't want to hear, they're just going to hear a story. For those that want to understand, you're going to pursue and ask the questions and dig in and you'll find that thing of great value that's going to make you sell everything else that you own and buy this field because, man, there might be more treasure like that in there. So they're like, oh, I didn't understand it right away. So like, that's an issue. It's like, yeah, it's an issue with your own heart, with your own seeking, right? Your own desire to know and to get to that point. Um, I also think that looking at the mysteries of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 8, I'm sorry, 2, 7, and 8. I'm just going to jump into 8, though that none of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom, speaking of the scripture and the prophets, uh, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So again, hindsight, we can look and be like, oh yeah, the Old Testament, it points to Jesus. But like, if you just read the Old Testament, you would not get, oh, the Messiah is going to die and resurrect. And through his death and through the shedding of his blood, we are all going to be given life and new life abundant and be brought out of slavery to darkness and into the freedom of light and be adopted as sons. Like, you don't get that. So the fact that, like, yeah, it is written cryptically because we're even told by scripture, like, hey, if it was plain as day, the enemy wouldn't have done it. Because straight up, like, uh, I don't think it's in scripture, but like, hey, you played yourself. <laughs> like, you know, that's basically what happened there. <laughs> you played yourself. Verse, uh, what's that? Genesis verse... 12, <laughs> chapter 13, and he played himself. Uh, <laughs> maybe really... No, 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 I'm not. Uh, I think that's the message translation in some of the Bible. You played yourself. Uh, no, when you were talking about like the mystery of things and how things aren't really revealed to us, but everything does point to Jesus. Um, this was one of the, the verses that it hit me like maybe five or six years ago, but when it hit me, I was like baffled. And I ran and told my dad, like, hey, did you know this? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, what a jerk. Why didn't you tell me anything? And I went and told my brother, all who are older than me and pastors, why didn't you tell, did you know this? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me this? Why did I have to like figure it out on myself? It's Genesis chapter one, verses one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two, now the earth was formless, empty, and darkness was over the surface of the water. And then verse three, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And when I saw that, I was like, that's salvation. That's us. As the earth, we're empty and we're formless. Without Christ, we're empty and formless. And then when Christ comes in, there's light. And then we're light. And that's salvation. And salvation and Christ and everything was written in the first three verses of the Bible. It all points to Jesus. And it was this cool revelation to me. Apparently, everyone knew it already. So it was kind of, then I felt dumb. But because it took me forever to get there. And even within there, that formless and void, uh, what is it in Hebrew? It's like tovu avohu or something like that. And it means uh, like wild and waste. It's like, it's a chaotic scape. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, even more so it's like, it's dark, it's wild, it's wasteland, you know, it's all the chaos coming in and the spirit of God comes in and creates something from that and brings the light. I think that's a perfect picture. Yeah. But again, we can look back. <laughs> yeah. I, I really thought you were going to say uh, that it meant you played yourself. <laughs> but I do like that uh, Jesus coming in, fulfilling all this law and telling us that the, we have to love it. Like here I fulfill it. And I fulfilled it. My death, it, the, the death of Jesus 
it wasn't that the requirement of sacrifice had ended it was just that he was the final sacrifice that we don't need to sacrifice anything else or the blood doesn't need to be shed anymore because once his blood was shed that was it and what i really like from just those two verses alone is what jesus is telling us is that he is the author and the fulfiller of the law it's about him it all points to him and here he's telling everyone and now i'm going to fulfill it and, and it was really cool to me those verses I think we got a lot out of that. I think we can head into our break unless you wanted to bring out one more nugget of wisdom. No, that's all I got. So we're, we'll head over to our break. And then uh, actually the, the, what we have is a sponsorship from a commercial or from a show coming up next, a new TV show. So Can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Coming this fall to GCTV, it's Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice. Thursday nights finally have a defense attorney who can carry the weight of the world. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you know the law, so you decide. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Let me ask you all something. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, Will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. I rest my case. When no one else will defend you, he will pick up your case. Can you please tell me whose portrait is on the denarius? I really can't see too well. Can you please answer the question, whose portrait is on the denarius? It's... It's... it's Caesar's. <laughs> Let it be known that the witness said it was Caesar's. So, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When the cost is too much, you won't have to worry because he can pay the price. You want the truth? I am the truth. Tune in every Thursday night at 9 p.m. on GCTV for Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice. He didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. Hey Remy. Hey Casey, what are you up to? Oh nothing, just watching some videos on YouTube. That's cool, what are you watching? Our dad's on their YouTube channel. Our dads have a YouTube channel? Yes, they do. They also have a Facebook group page and an Instagram account. Wow, really? What else do they have? They also have a Teespring account where they sell t-shirts. Where can I find this information? All the links can be found in the descriptions below. That's so awesome. What's the name of the channel again? It's your church friends. Get out of here, Reed! All right, so we are back. I can't wait to see Jesus Christ, Agent of Justice, because <laughs> nobody knows the law and fulfills it like that man. <laughs> but we're cutting back in. We're getting into the, the next couple verses there, 19 and 20. I'll just read them again, just the kind of refresher. <laughs> so, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But... Whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whew. That's like 
kind of, all right, I'm, I'm going along with this, it seems okay. Never enter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that is, <laughs> man. It's kind of what we were touching on. Uh, I, I'm going to just go to verse 20, because that one, to me, is like Jesus saying, all right, I, I'm now going to hit you with this. This is going to be the hit, and then I'm going to follow it up, kind of going back to the disclaimer idea. You really like doing that, huh? What? Just like, let's go to the end and bring it back. Yeah, yeah, go backwards and then work forwards. That's the best way to do anything in life. But in doing that, he, I mean, just straight up, the Pharisees, I'm imagining, were there, standing around in the background or whatever. And these are like your teachers. These are the people who are bringing the word to the people. That's the thing. Again, going back to like our Christian 2020 mindset, a lot of people look at Pharisees like, oh, they were the enemies. It's like, these were the people that wanted more than anything to get this thing right. Mm -hmm. They were studying the law. They were getting into the scriptures. They're going, hey, this is what God wants. Like, let's follow this thing. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times people get it twisted in their head. Like, oh man, these people are evil. Like these are the people that wanted to kill Jesus. And it's like, at the time, they were the religious leaders who truly did want to seek and honor God. We see that where that took them, you know, went a little sideways well, or a lot sideways. But The Pharisees, they turned the law to 248 commandments and 365 prohibitions. So they took the law, like you were saying, studied it so much and said, these are the things you have to follow. And it was, it was strict. It was hardcore. And it wasn't like they didn't do it. Like these people actually did follow these things. So then Jesus is saying to the, everyone at the end, like your righteousness needs to surpass the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the teachers of the law. And I'm more than certain everyone's sitting there like going, whoa, how do you do that? No, those are the holy people. How does my righteousness surpass them? So it's, it's baffling, right? Like it's just kind of this, we sit there and like, like you were saying, and I did like that. I, I totally, when we, I was preparing for this podcast, I had all these other notes. And when you said that, when we were talking about it, I was like, you're right. These are the people who were trying their hardest to live out God's word at the best of their ability. And even though they tried so hard, they did, it misled them into other areas and all these rules and restrictions kind of led them to different instead of seeking God more about what they were doing outwardly, but they were trying their hardest and everyone who would see them would know that, that would, this is the group of people who they have, if anyone has it together, it's them. Yeah, so equivalency of today, these are your pastors. Yeah. <laughs> like, these are your Christian leaders, you know, you know, to them. And when you're saying, I mean, pick famous pastors and people that are super well known, it's like, hey, you got to be more holy than, than Rick Warren or by John Piper or... Um, those are kind of on that and who's on the other end of the scale more like what's the pastor of Bethel and like you know whatever denomination you're trying to come from and you look at that leader and you're just like you got to be more holy than that guy and I was trying to give a spread there because I don't know who's listening to this and maybe you don't like John Piper but maybe you don't like the dude that runs Bethel whatever it is but think of the person who you put at the pinnacle yeah. of piousness and Jesus going you gotta exceed that guy mm -hmm. and it's such a a hard-hitting challenge because then it is kind of going back to what we said that everything has to move beyond what is outward and what's inward and doing all that and I even looked at it this way is and I'm gonna go back into some of the other stuff but I want to say this I kind of saw it also as a challenge like it almost like a challenge to the Pharisees to also then like step up their game take what's outward make it internal yeah, sitting there, if someone were to tell me, like, here's someone I look up to and spiritualness and someone saying, you got to exceed that, I would sit there and be like, how do I even accomplish that? How do I even do this? How do I, how do I hit that? I mean, they seem like they got it all together. 
But what Jesus is reminding all of us, and even was telling the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law then, was that this 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 all has to change. What we're doing, and what you guys are doing, it's good, but it's not leading towards the right direction or place. It's leading out of now becoming, I'm doing this, and I'm putting myself above other people because of it. I can follow all these things, and I'm looking at myself more lofty than other people. And it has to be, you're doing this, you're following the law, going back to the, the first segment, because I love the law. No other reason. I do it just because I love it. Yeah, and you're giving some foreshadowing, right? Because you're talking about, oh, it needs to become internal, not external. It's like, we didn't get to this part yet. No. Think about the crowd that's sitting and hearing this. They don't know what Jesus is about to say. He straight up said, I'm not coming to abolish the law. I'm fulfilling it. And I'm telling you, these religious leaders, unless you exceed where they're at, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of like, okay, this guy's different. Mm -hmm. What's going on here? And I kind of like how you brought it. It's a challenge to the, the scribes and the Pharisees as well, because he's telling everybody, you need to exceed where they're at which means that they need to exceed where they're at. Yeah. So it is like a full on, hey, you're all in the same playing field. Let's go into what this next thing is. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of Paul Washer? He's a preacher. Mm -hmm. He's a reformed guy. He really, in my earlier Christian forming, was really impactful. Just, I'm going to paraphrase him, but at a time he basically said like, okay, you believe in God. You say that you believe in God, but has your heart been transformed? Do you love God? Do you love his law? Do you now want, do you now desire to follow him and forsake the things that you used to desire? Or do you sit there and begrudgingly go, oh no, this is a thing that I have to do, but I'd really mm -hmm. rather be doing something else. Mm -hmm. Because those are two different things. If you're looking at God's law and not loving it and desiring that in your life, maybe you haven't been saved. You know, right. maybe you're going into this thing of trying to follow a rule book or trying to whatever, but that the love of God hasn't moved into your life. So... I read this the other day, and it said, um, "We can't have artificial. We can't have a artificial righteousness, external masquerade, dead ritual that only makes us proud." And I think that's kind of what he was, uh, Jesus was saying with it, is that no matter who you are, and I like that. It, it really did hit me that way after you said it. Everyone's on the same playing field. Your your relationship with God, it has to be love. It can't be artificial. It can't just be fake. You can't be faking it or making something up. It can't be just an external masquerade. I'm only doing things for people to see me doing them or dead rituals. Just kind of when I think of dead rituals and I'm putting it now in today's society of what we come to church, I'm coming here and I sing songs and I put my hands up in worship and it means nothing to me. I'm just doing it because other people do it. I tithe because we do that. I come to service because that's what I do on Sunday. It's my checklist and not what's in my heart. That only makes us proud. That only makes us, oh, look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. Even to where that, and I don't know which gospel it's in, but when the uh, the Pharisee was praying and he was like, look at me and I'm not like so-and-so and look at that person. They're so bad, but look at me, God, I'm good and all that stuff. It creates this arrogance because we're accomplishing the things, but we're not doing it for the right reasons. Well, in that, right? So you have the Pharisee saying, Thank God I'm not like this sinner. Mm -hmm. And that sinner was saying, God, please have mercy on me. Yeah. And Jesus says, which one of those went away justified? Right. Not the prideful one, the one who is coming to God, you know, seeking the relationship. Uh, Calvin said this, 
he restored it to its integrity by maintaining and purifying it, uh, speaking of Jesus, when obscured by falsehood and defiled by the leaven of the Pharisees. So when the, the Pharisees had come in and just changed a lot of what the law was to meet all these rules and requirements, Jesus came in and restored it to the integrity by maintaining it and purifying it through his death. And I, I thought all that was cool to even kind of sum up what we're saying here. Uh, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you know that not never stood out to me until you said it. Uh, for you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven if it doesn't. Until you said that right now, that not never made as big of an impact in my life. And then I, all I can see is the not. That if I don't love God because I love him, and if I don't do what he asks just because I love him, the not is right there. And it's interesting that you brought Calvin in because if you get into all the theologizing and all this mm -hmm. stuff, there's this thing of... Uh, imputed righteousness, right? And I told you that word a few weeks ago, and you're like, excuse me, one more time, let me Google that. But Speaking English to me, what's going on here? You know, when you when you get into it, and just like the way that we can theologize, just kind of the Pharisees, right? You take the thing that it says, and then just go like, well, let's explain it all the way and make it super strict. And if you don't understand these things, that idea is just like, well, the way that it can get taught wrongly is your righteousness is Jesus's righteousness and even though you're a sinner his righteousness gets put on you so it doesn't matter what you do God's going to see you as righteous because he when he looks at you he only sees Jesus and Jesus lived perfectly and he took your sin so there's that swap that happened so it's almost like it doesn't matter what you do your righteousness just because of Jesus's righteousness in and of itself and you know it can get all muddled up meanwhile scripture tells us do not be deceived the person who lives righteous is righteous yeah and so but to be able to bring those things together is because the person who's living righteous has come into that loving relationship yep. with Jesus I'm only living righteously because now my heart's been transformed and I desire to serve God so it's like yeah it's fully because Jesus lived his righteous life and he brought me in and he allowed me to be adopted as a son right so now it's just like, wow, I can be called the son of God, like what the Beatitudes are saying. I am seeking peace. I am living in that way. I'm seeking that. And yeah, where I fail, it is the righteousness of Jesus that he can stand there as the only one who can as a mediator and offer forgiveness. So it's like, it's both and and sometimes not, but sometimes when we get into theologizing things, it's like people just want to stand behind that and give themselves excuses to keep on and it kind of leads me into this kind of question that I had once I finished reading all of it is that what, who is the authority in your life uh, as far as what do you listen to? What do you follow? And I like what Jesus did here because he starts off with, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. That means I've come to live under them, right? The, the law has now become the authority in my life. And as Christians, we have to ask that same questions. Is God's word, the authority in my life, that when I'm going through something, do I seek counsel in what uh, the world has to offer me? Or do I come here and see what God's word tells me? Is this the authority? Is this where I come to find the answers? And it, it's weird. I know it's in, in the, the thought of real reality of saying like, for every life question, the answer is here in the Bible. But really, when you look at it, it really is that you go in there and you're like, oh, Oh, it, it, it teaches us how to grieve. It teaches us about when we lose someone. It teaches us about when we've made mistakes and how to recover from that. It teaches us about sometimes people aren't going to like you. How do you handle that situation? There, it, like the gauntlet of life is answered in this Bible. But are you going to live under its authority? 
And uh, I read this and I thought it was cool that um, as Christians, because sometimes we like to, in today's church, separate the Old Testament and the New Testament and say, well, Jesus came and now this is the covenant that I live under. It's only Jesus, but not the, the Old Testament. Um, but I read this and I thought this was a cool way to put it. We can't rely on only the, the New Testament. That makes us a one-legged believer. If we rely only on the New Testament, it's like we're just walking around on one leg. We need both to balance our life out and to balance out who we are and everything like that. Well, I mean, you're just going to incorrectly read the New Testament with, like if you don't have the Old Testament. There's an interesting thing, though, about getting into the law and reading the scripture and doing that. Jesus at a point in John 5, uh, 39, says that you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Right? So that's also a thing about getting into the scriptures and like, oh, there's this law, or even like whatever it is, just like, we shouldn't think that because we're looking at the Bible and again, trying to get that checklist and here's all of the things that God desires of me is this, 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 this. Jesus is like, look, it's talking about me. Mm -hmm. Come to me. I will give you life. Yeah. So it's like, obviously, the only book that I know of that gives you Jesus is the Bible. <laughs> I mean, the Quran tries to, but it's, you know, that's a different conversation. Yeah, this, that's not this podcast. That's not this podcast. You can't bring that up without me not studying anything at all. <laughs> yeah, well, you were asking me questions earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's about coming to Jesus. And so as we read, we need to be coming to Jesus. Like, these words on the page are words on a page, and God will use those words on a page. But he is a living God. He's the God of the living. So I have life. I need to go to him and have that real responsive relationship going on. J.I. Uh, Packer said this, kind of piggybacking off what you're saying. A Christian is a person who acknowledges and lives under the authority of God's word. Kind of saying the same thing with what you're saying, that we go to Jesus and we submit to him in authority. Because if the word, even in John, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was God. The word is Jesus. Everything in this book is Jesus. It points to him in restoring our relationship with God and bringing us back as a family under him. So when we look at it, a, a, a true Christian, a person who can call himself a Christian, uh, acknowledges and lives under that authority of God's word. We live under the authority of what Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he's done from, for us. And then we live our life. And I think that's where we as Christians start making a bigger impact. We're not, we don't become, it's probably not a real word, pharisaic. Pharisaical. Pharis is that the word? I believe so. Okay, we don't become that where we're just following all these rigid rules and commandments because we think this is it this is the ticket but we become people who want to submit under god's will and i keep saying it because it's so impactful to me that i do it because i love them one of the things i tell my kids all the time when they're doing something bad is and it's almost like a guilt trip but i'm not trying to do that but it sounds that way i'll tell them are you showing daddy that you love him right now by not listening and the answer is always no you know and i'm like okay can you show daddy that you love him and just do what i've asked you to do and we've talked about this, that God is, for me personally, as becoming a father, has used within this last two years, my kids to then flip that and be like, Chris, are you showing me that you're loving me by not being obedient? And I'm like, but God, I, I gave you my tithe. Yeah, but that's not what I'm asking you right now. Are you being obedient with where you're at in your life and what you're doing? Are you showing me at this moment that you love me? And the answer 
because of that moment and probably doing something stupid is no. And I'm like, no, God, I'm not. I'm sorry. And then he just says the same thing I tell my kids. Do it because you love me. And that's that's a, a big challenge for, for me personally, that I have to fulfill or live under the law, not because I want to accomplish anything, but strictly because I love God. It's almost like I don't get into heaven because I worked my way into it. I get there because I just love Jesus and what he did. And because that love then changes me, not outwardly first, inwardly, then that outward love starts to overflow. That's the thing. Like we're not like under the law. Mm -hmm. We're in the spirit. And it's kind of the thing of like, if you're in the spirit, if you're loving God and loving others, you're going to fulfill everything that God is asking of you. Which I think comes down to, we've, we've danced around it and never actually came into it, but verse 19, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying like, look, even the least of the things, pay attention. Mm. And it's always tripped me out when I hear within churches the whole like, oh, legalistic or, you know, just like the pushback against having a standard to live up to. Like, oh, don't come, like, you're coming too strict, like, God has grace and all this stuff. It's like, what, which of these laws do you have an issue with? Like, is it the one where I'm asking you not to lie? Not that I'm asking, as a teacher, I'm, I'm asking, is, is it the one where you shouldn't lie? Is it the one where you should be a good employee? Is it the one where you should be, like, obedient and honor your mother and father? Is it the one where you should stop looking with lust? Like, which, which one of these things are you having an issue with? Because it seems like when I look at my own personal history, to take it away from just like the religious thing, when I was out breaking the law, I didn't like the law. I didn't like the police who wanted to enforce the law. When I became a law-abiding citizen, I appreciated the law. And I appreciated what the police were doing to protect me from people who were breaking the law. So it's like, as a Christian, if you're having an issue with like commandments or people trying to keep to that, Again, not looking at the, oh, pharisaical, blah, 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 but just like within a loving environment saying, hey, there is a standard that we're expected to live up to. Jesus here is saying, like, don't even relax the smallest of the commandments. Be careful to pay attention to follow things and teach others to do the same. I kind of see it as if you're having pushback against that, it's probably because you want to break it. Yeah. It's kind of more of a heart issue. It's kind of like, I'm going to like say that you're the problem because you're trying to get me to follow this thing rather than address my own heart issue that... You know what, guy? I want to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It's the difficulty of like, that just sounds too hard. So I don't like it anymore. You know, like I know what I struggle with as a person where like if it's an anger situation, control your anger. Don't give in to anger, which leads to this and that. But for me, it's like I stub my toe and instantly it's like the rage starts coming out and I'm angry. Um, but it would just be so much easier for my own walk if I learned to control that anger so then these bursts of anger wouldn't come out and then affect my children, affect my wife, affect the people who are around me. And if I just submit it to God's word and said, like you're saying, which one of these don't you like? Because even though you may give into these things, that's not beneficial for you. All what I'm telling you, this is beneficial for you. It's going to help you as a person to be better inside this inner anger and turmoil that we all live with. When people are talking about, oh, I just need to find peace and happiness, it's really because we're internally fighting with what we know is right and what we know is wrong. And that battle of wanting to give in to just do wrong because it's easier. I I almost look at it that way. Doing the wrong thing is easier. That's lazy. 
living the right way that's work that's building my character it's building me and a lot of times we don't want to do that but it's if i submit under god's word and if i submit to what's written in here and i just do what's in here it makes my life a lot better and beneficial the last thing that i have here unless i want to bounce off of something you're saying is that when it comes to the commandments when it comes to following when it comes to jesus's teachings uh, it's kind of like the bible talks about that the word is a lamp to our feet, that it shows us the path. Mm -hmm. That when Jesus is trying to tell us how to live, he's giving us the right way. He's giving us the right path to navigate this life. And life is complex, and he's just saying, like, look, I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the steps. If you just hear my words, if you listen, you're going to be doing the right thing, and you're going to be making it through no matter what the situation is, even if to what you're viewing with your eyes seems like a bad circumstance or trial or whatever just trust that if you're following me you're going to make it through and i had a weird experience with this last night and i don't know if even you're you might think that i'm weird for this one but i was out on a walk and i got to the corner of my block and i was just was praying and just really asking god a lot of questions and different things and i look in front of me a fairly long block and i'm just seeing the sidewalk straight ahead of me to the corner got a little mailbox there it's just like a marker oh there's the corner a straight and narrow path set in front of me. And I just felt God trying to teach me a lesson through what my prayers were. And he said, close your eyes. Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. See what it is to close your eyes and not pay attention to those things and just walk the straight path. And I closed my eyes. And I knew no danger is coming to me. No anything. It was so hard for me not to open my eyes. And I did peek a lot, even though I was sitting there <laughs> telling myself, don't open my eyes. Because as I was trying to walk straight, I wasn't sure of my footing. I would end up on the grass on the sidewalk. I would end up on someone's lawn. I was brushing up against the fence. One of the times that I peeked, I was literally inches away from a tree. And then at times I heard people out in their lawn, uh, watering their lawn. And I know I'm just bouncing around all over the place. They can see that my eyes are closed. And so then it's just like, oh no, how are other people viewing me? And all of these different things that were coming in rather than just keep your eyes closed, just walk straight, just walk with God. And it really showed me like, I don't know what's coming next in my life. I'm like I'm walking with my eyes closed if I'm not paying attention to what God is trying to show me. When he's giving me a commandment to follow, when he's giving me teachings, when he's guiding me, it's because if I'm truthful without that, I'm walking blind. And I couldn't even walk straight. Maybe if I slowed down and I would try and use my feet to find the crack in the sidewalk and try and find my bearing, I could have done better. But I did a really bad job. <laughs> and God was just showing me like, until you desire to follow my law, to follow my commandment, to follow my teaching, to be close with me in that, in every single step, this is how you're walking your life. Mm. And I was like, oh man, am I waking up thinking like, oh yeah, I can just start walking this day. Or am I like, God, I have no idea what's happening next. Mm -hmm. Guide my each and every step. So for me, that's where kind of the heart change and the way of looking at the commandments, even the least of these, because it's like, hey, one small step, you're off the side of a cliff, you know, depending on where you're at. So that was really a, a, a recent experience of mine bringing this more to life. I like that. I think that's enough to where we could end this. I, I really do. I don't want to add any more to that because I thought that was a really cool illustration of following God and 100% just going straight forward in the way he asked us to do it. And you're right. It's so hard to just go straight sometimes because we get distracted or we find ourselves just bouncing back and forth, or our footsteps are, are wavering between the flesh and the spirit. But if we really submit to God, that straight path is simple.
because it's not a submission of weakness or I surrender because you're stronger. It's a submission because I know you love me and you have what's right for me and you got the best intentions in my life. And I think if we could walk away with that and with Jesus saying this, I came here to fulfill it knowing that he did that for me because he loves me. So I think we're done. I think so too. Yeah, I'm Chris. I'm Murdoch. We are your church friends. We will catch you on the next episode of your church friends podcast.